Three, two, one. Hi, this is Shaylee. Hi, this is Audrey. And, and you're listening to our Aunt Ellen on the Chatterbox. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ellen Hedger, and you are listening to The Chatterbox with Ellen Hedger on Fishbowl Radio Network, the nation's leading personality-driven radio network. Hope you're doing good today on this Thursday. Um, officially summer now. Yep. Hope everyone is uh, ready. Get your suntan lotion and your flip-flops and ready to go. I am very excited about today's show. This is one of these things where you think you're going to do something and then it morphs into something much more. So (laughs) 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 we've got uh, a a studio full, literally, of people and more coming in. I love it. So let me get uh, started with introductions. So give us just a moment and we'll get you a chair too. I love this. I've never had this many people. (laughs) So all the way to my far right. I have Norma Cope, and Norma is going to talk to us about her charity. It is uh, Shoes of Hope. Is that correct, Norma? It is Shoes for Hope, Shoes to Cope. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk to you about that, and you've got a great story. That's what everybody on the show today is going to um, bring to the table. Everyone has a great story and a great group of people here, and just hold on to your hats that's what I've got to say and then next to Norma I have Christopher or Chris Pullis how are you doing Chris I'm doing well how are you doing great doing great Chris um, actually is from my neck of the original woods uh, up in the main area I'm from Massachusetts originally and he's down here in Texas now so welcome howdy Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> we don't say that Howdy much. Of, yeah, really. We don't, it's you guys up in New England, so we don't say that too much. And then next to him is Kim Black, and Kim is the, oh, goodness, I, I, she, her business card must be like a five-by-seven photo. She's an author, business owner, inspirational uh, speaker, and uh, is the uh, creator and CEO of Dragonfly Mind. How are you today? Good. Thank you. And then just joining us, don't be shy now, get on in there, <laughs> is Joel, and it's Bogus? Absolutely. Yay, How did you get right. that right? Nobody gets it right. How did you do that? Uh, okay, I'm going to actually tell on myself. I actually went on Google and how do you pronounce this name? And it phonetically told me. <laughs> Very honest of you. Hey, what can I say? You know, <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice Welcome to meet to you. Show. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, you, it's going to be fun. Yes, it is. And again, credible stories. And then to my right, one of my favorite people. The one, the only, Dylan Rafferty from DylanListed.com. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Like I said, you're the cherry on top of this. No. Anytime <laughs> you want to come on the show. I, I'm just the sprinkles. You're the sprinkles. We call those jimmies in New England. Chris can back me up on that one. No, no such thing as sprinkles. Those are jimmies. Well, who do we want to start with? Who wants to be the unshy one of the group? None of you are shy. <laughs> let's go with Chris first, okay? Sure. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, where you've been, what you're doing. I understand now you're involved with a project here at the University of North Texas. Is that correct? I am, yes. Oh, okay, so why don't you introduce yourself to my audience and tell us all about yourself. Sure, so I know that the purpose, or at least part of the purpose of this radio show and of E3 specifically is to talk about stories of recovery and perseverance. 
And my own path brought me from addiction and incarceration to being a person in long-term recovery. And what that means to me is that it's been now 10 years since I've had a drink or a drug I wasn't prescribed and coming up on nine years since I've used any type of mood-altering substance. And what that has done in my life, it's allowed me to go from being essentially a tornado tearing through the people's lives of the people that I love the most and care about the most to actually being a stabilizing force and a positive member of my community and ultimately ending up down here in Texas, which I had uh, no no plan on doing, but it's how the, the universe unfolded to bring me down to Texas after law school. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll get no good Maine lobster down here, but the barbecue is pretty good. So <laughs> it, it's a trade-off there. So Okay, I'm just amazed by these stories when I looked all you up, okay, and especially how to pronounce your names right. Um, (laughs) So, again, a drug addict? Yes, I I did have a substance use disorder while I was a teenager and in my early 20s. Okay, and turned that around and went to college and law school and... I did. So when I was 24, I got into treatment for the first time in my life. Thankfully, I'm actually the executive director of a treatment center now called Life of Purpose at the University of North Texas. But when I was 24, I was very sick. I really, any day could have been my last. And thank God I had the resources and the ability to get into um, a, a treatment program for my substance abuse or for my substance use disorder. And that's when my life began to change. And about six months, maybe eight months into my recovery, I was actually indicted on five federal felony charges for selling drugs before I got sober. And so almost three years of my early recovery was spent in a federal prison. And I decided that while I was there, I would continue to stay sober no matter you know what happened or didn't happen in my life and that's what's made all the difference so you know prison did remove me from society but what saved my life was recovery and getting access to treatment and taking advantage of those things and then while I was incarcerated I began the process of getting back into college I had taken some classes before I remember one kind of funny story for this is that when I had to do the financial aid forms, the, of course I got a phone. I was able to get on the phone with people from the FAF, like the FAFSA people, the Department of Education people, and they said, "Oh, just go onto your web browser and you fill out your FAFSA form on the internet." And I said, "Well, we don't have the internet." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, what do you mean you don't have the internet?" And I said, "I'm incarcerated in federal prison," and they said they don't even think they had paper forms anymore but this speaks exactly to the idea of keeping with it because I think some people at that point would have just said well I tried absolutely and they can't they can't give me the form so I can't sign up for college right now instead I just said you know I really understand this is difficult for you but is there any way you could please just print up these forms Mm -hmm. and mail them to me here's my address I can cover the postage I really want to go back to school when I'm released from prison And so they mailed me the old paper forms, and I filled them out, and that began my journey in education, which started with college as an undergrad student, then law school, and um, one of the coolest experiences I had was during law school, I was actually able to work for President Obama at the White House as an intern. And that was especially cool because I got to watch him him get elected from federal prison Mm -hmm. and then later served 
in his administration. Unbelievable story. And I, I'm, I'm just curious if those forms came all dusty because they had to dust them off the shelf. Maybe they printed <laughs> you new ones. But I just find that incredibly, uh, I can't even think of a word, remarkable, the perseverance. Like you said, it would just been like, okay, well, thanks. I tried. Now, what do you attribute that to lessons you learned in recovery or did you have a for lack of a better word come to jesus meeting uh, you know with yourself that's a big southern term by the way right. you're not used to that one yet <laughs> um <laughs> you know what finally did the light for you or what i i think being able to what i i had some degree of willingness for the first time in my life when i was 24 25 years old and i became willing for whatever reason God's grace, the program of recovery that I'm a part of, uh, probably a combination thereof. For the first time in my life, I began willing to ask for help and take direction. And so if I was overwhelmed or confused by something, instead of running away or quitting, which is what I always would have done growing up, for the first time in my life, I learned to ask for help and then walk through the fear and walk through the pain and continue moving forward. And I that just, was the most important thing. I just think that is so incredible because a lot of times, unfortunately, people that seek help with recovery don't get it the first time, do they? That's it takes true. a couple of times, possibly. It does. And there's another, just to, to speak on kind of treatment specifically, there's, I believe, a misnomer that a person has to hit this very dramatic, terrible crisis before they can seek help. And so a substance use disorder is actually a treatable condition, according to the DSM-5 and according to me and according to millions of people who are in recovery. But could you imagine if someone had a heart condition telling that person, no, you need to just keep living exactly how you're doing, wait until you have a major heart attack before right. we offer you help? And so our goal is to, if we can help people not have to go to treatment and do early intervention, that's that's our goal. I mean, I, I never really, all the times I was arrested, never once did they connect me with anyone in recovery. Never once did they suggest I go to a meeting. Hmm. Never once it just was arrested, bail, process, back to exactly what Rubber I was doing. Rubber stamped through the, through the process, basically, right. not trying to find a solution. And I think that I can't say for sure, but what if when I was arrested when I was 15 or when I was 17, when I was 19, if I had been redirected toward treatment at that point and redirected toward people in recovery, maybe I wouldn't have needed to spend the years in federal prison and been mm -hmm. the burden on my family and society and all the associated trauma that comes with that. One last question, and then we'll come back to you because I want to talk about your work with you know the University of North sure. Texas, that program. Um, you have to want it for yourself, though, right? You can't change for somebody else. I think there needs to be some degree of willingness. Okay. I do not think that there needs to be 100%. Certainly not. I don't think, I don't know, maybe at one point I've had 100% willingness. To me, it's a lot of the time we'll have, it's external pressures often get people into treatment initially, whether that be a failing marriage, 
um, problems with relationships with parents, uh, legal system involvement, whatever it may be. And what I've found is re it, it matters much less what the original motivators are than what people do once they get sober. So it could uh, what could often start as an act or to try to appease family members or a judge or whoever it may be, once people start to see their lives improving because of recovery, it can become real. Hmm. Great story. Now, not able to crowd in the studio with us today and on the phone, we have Clint Fuquay. Did I say that right, Clint? Yep, you got it right. All right, and I understand that you are actually going to be the host of a very... Um, Again, inspiring, motivational, wonderful program uh, coming up here, I think, next week at Brookhaven Country Club. Is that correct? Uh, yes, Tuesday, the 27th, okay. uh, 6 to 10 p.m. All right. You want to speak a little bit about that as, as host? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, technically host. I'll be up on stage for all of like two minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm, all they can stand of you, huh? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm helping, host, help, helping host the event. Uh, it's actually Kim's event. Uh, I just kind of help run things on the back end uh, and, and pop up on stage and say hi to everybody. So that's essentially my, my, my job there up on stage. Because um, we've got a great MC, everybody else up on stage is going to be awesome. Seriously, everybody out there listening, get your tickets and be here at the event. It, it's like nothing else you've ever been to anywhere, period. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, my, my part of this is I've, I've been in health and wellness for uh, 25 years. Um, and just on a personal note, uh, specific, specifically for this, uh, for this event coming up on Tuesday. Uh, so I've known Brian Cuban for quite a while. He's a great guy. I had him on my radio show to talk about, uh, body dysmorphia order uh, disorders and, uh, you know, how, how that affects men, uh, specifically. Uh, cause everybody thinks about, you know, women having body image issues and men have a lot of body image issues. So we discussed that, but, uh, previously many, many years ago, I had a client that actually went through this. Uh, as far as uh, he was addicted to several substances, finally came to came to grips to this, and we had to take him through that process of getting into rehab and uh, getting a recovery plan, getting a treatment plan, and then afterwards, you know, him actually focusing on living a better life uh, for himself and, of course, his, his son and everybody else around him. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was uh, that was about two years of, of process going through that. And part of that was the, the ramp up of him kind of hitting a rock bottom for himself and uh, realizing, hey, I've, I have to make a change here, um, just you know, probably for myself, but probably for, I mean, my kid is eventually going to see this going on. Because, uh, I mean, he, he lived in Dallas, his, his, his kid was in, in Chicago at that point in time. Um, he was like, well, he's going to be living with me at some point here. I can't have him exposed to all of this craziness. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we started going down that road and, uh, you know, got him into, into treatment and everything else before it really became a major issue. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it is a very important, very important thing. And my, my father was in, in law enforcement for, you know, 36 years. Uh, so he's dealt with a whole lot of this. Um, Luckily, he was one of the few police officers that would actually tell people, look, you have an issue. You need to see people. You need to get some treatment. You need to get some recovery. Let me know how I can help you do this uh, so you're not wasting your life away in jail where you don't need to be. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's one, one great piece to, to what Christian was talking about is, you know, there, there has to be that aspect of it, which is let's get these people some help and get them on a road to recovery very, very quickly so you don't have wasted time, wasted money, wasted effort, wasted you know, uh, a waste of life come out of this and people can actually go out and make something of themselves and, and do great things in the world. 
Absolutely. Now, Chris, I know that you're a featured expert in men's fitness, uh, the quote-unquote health engineer, if you will. Um, yes. I, I believe you, looking at your website, which is a great website, you have a very holistic approach to how you view health and wellness. Um, would you like to expound on that just a little bit? Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the health engineer thing right quick. So uh, this actually was... was this term, this term was given to me by, to me by, by my girlfriend. She is actually an engineer. Um, and so the way I go about looking at things, the way I do things is from an engineering standpoint. We look at the entire structure of somebody's life, uh, what they've got going on, their entire past history, where they're at now, where they want to go, and figure out you know the, the best way to figure out how to get to where they want to go. They don't know where they're, where they're going. There's no way to create a program. Uh, so it's the whole thing. I just want to come in for a workout. Well, okay, great, but that's like a one-night stand. Okay? <laughs> it's just it's what you're asking Well, for. everyone's ears poked up in the mirror on that one. We're like, wait, wait a minute, where's yeah. the show going on this now? <laughs> Hold on yeah, here. Yeah, so, but <laughs> seriously, it's the whole, I, I just want a good hard workout. Okay, so what's that going to do for you? Are you, are you going to limp away? Are you going to feel bad the next day? Are you going to you know, feel violated in some respect? I can't do that to you. Um, have some self-respect and don't let somebody else do that to you either. You know, sit down and create a plan. Look at your entire life and what you want to do with your life and start creating a plan around that to help you achieve those things. And a good health and wellness plan will do that for you because it will make that thing possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the workouts are just part of it. They, they shouldn't, you shouldn't get beat up in a workout. You should feel good during a workout. You should feel fantastically after the workout. Um, you know, this, this is a whole progression thing to where you're actually building yourself up instead of trying to beat yourself into health. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's whipping you, you're not going to get stronger from that. But everybody seems to think that's what you're, you're supposed to do. Uh, sadly, our industry has perpetuated that, that stereotype. And it's one, one of the things we have to start getting away from within this industry. Um, and that's one of the things I try to put out there. So we will start getting away from that in, it, start getting away from that in, in this industry and start promoting actual real health and building people up uh, rather than beating them up and making them, you know, thank us for the beating. Um, I think that kind of goes kind of side by side with what Chris was saying, a block. You know, if if, if someone isn't, you know, if you're getting beaten up, so to speak, you're less likely to return and and follow through with something. So it's an obstacle. Actually, help can be an obstacle in a way. Like, I can't do that again. Oh, yeah. Instead of Yeah, well, it's the the whole thing. If I I have to go in there and get beat up in this workout, why am I going to go do that? Exactly. And that's that's the stomach block a lot of people have whenever they start looking at health and fitness and wellness in in an exercise program is they see it as torture. They see it as this really hard thing that they have to go through and it's just you know it it, it should not be that uh, and sadly we've kind of put that out there in, in the industry I mean if you look at the naming of everything we have out there you know you have insanity we have we have a program named insanity and that's what's that's supposed to start you on a, on a wellness program uh, it, I mean it's it's training insane I would rather people train insane okay <laughs> so this, this way we need to bring some sanity into this thing uh, and Sadly, the, the, the health and fitness industry does actually lead into a lot of addiction issues as well um, within it. So there, there is that, that piece of it uh, where people start taking things they shouldn't be taking to do things that they really aren't meant to do. Um, and that, that's a sad, a sad piece of it. We have to get that figured out as well on, on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how I work from a perspective is 
everything is long term. Everything is it's like an investment plan. You sit down with your investment person. They look at all your stocks. They look at your bonds. They look at your four hundred one k. They look at the money coming in. They look at how much you're going to make over the next you know twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. What's your retirement plan? How much you want to pass on to your kids? All that stuff. That's what I do from a health perspective. What it, what are all the things we're working with? What are your plans and goals for the future? Let's piece that together and figure out what's keeping you from doing that right now and gets you in positions where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's where the health engineer thing comes in comes in from because I'm actually literally engineering a a a, a, a program for each person individually. So there's not a a certain format that I work from. The format that I work from is you. Right. Uh, every each person, so it's it's different for each person that comes in because everybody's uh, issues are different. Mm. And I think you gave us the line of the of the again the topic here is what you go through. And I'm going to turn now to Kim Kim Black here, the mm-hmm. CEO and founder of Dragonfly Mind. Is that what we're talking about here? Stories of what you go through to get where you're at? Is that what you're bringing here? Well, so every month we have a different topic. And so this month is overcoming obstacles mm-hmm. and um, how to turn those oppor- or challenges into opportunities or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 That's correct. Yes, right. So um, with Brian Cuban mm-hmm. uh, being the guest speaker. And so every month is different. So one month we had um, marketing for free with Jeff Crilly, the guest speaker and we had some marketing experts and so every month it's different so this month on overcoming challenges um, or obstacles um, is especially important to me because I overcame um, an addiction of hydrocodone mm-hmm. and that was very challenging and little does he know that you came into my life because I'm still on Ambien so oh. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I had back surgery and um, I just recently have been getting myself off so i'm still on ambien so it controlled substance which i want to get off of so <laughs> that's why i think he came into my life just right. by Indeed. surprise and, and, he, and yeah. i'm a big believer in that kim that people come into your life for a reason mm-hmm. it may not be um you know, it, it just it's fun. <laughs> I, I believe it again there goes the butterfly uh, the butterflies and the goosebumps but i really feel that people come into your lives for a reason when mm-hmm. you need them to come into it whether it's for a good purpose, or it could be a lesson. Whether they say a reason, a season, or a lifetime, right. it's the old saying, and I, that's wonderful that you know yeah. you have that resource. And best of luck to you with you know. Thank you. You know your journeys and things, yeah. and I just find it fascinating the ability to group all these people together, which you did so lovely here in the last literally thirty six <laughs> hours. Because I think this everybody at this table has a story to tell, and I'm going to try to bring. Um, Jolyn here for a second a little closer because you certainly have a story um how are you today doing real good thanks all right um let's see number one bestseller on amazon finding your voice yes so author i have lots of authors here i love that um you had something happen to you at age five that you had to overcome yeah i did that's kind of where the whole journey started for me mm-hmm. Uh, my father and I were on a nature hike in the middle of the Texas Hill Country, and I drifted away from the group. It was a small group of people, and I ended up climbing up a nearby hill, and running next to that hill was what looked like probably, for me, through the eyes of a child, a jungle gym. So <laughs> I did what any fun-loving and adventurous kid would do. I climbed to the top, mm-hmm. and I ran to the middle, and I laid down on my belly and called down to my dad, but this wasn't a jungle gym. 
These weren't monkey bars. This was actually a railroad bridge. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that stretched over you know, a pretty wide gorge. And oh. as the train approached, <laughs> my dad scrambled as fast as he could to, to get up the hill. But by the time he got there, it was too late. And I had fallen 30 feet onto the rocks below. And the results of that fall resulted in multiple skull fractures, a coma, and so much blood loss that by the time the rescue workers found me, no GPS, no cell phone, right. Texas Hill Country, right. 42 years ago, right. they weren't even able to start an IV in my little arm. Mm -hmm. All the blood vessels had, had collapsed. And when I woke up from my coma at age six, that's when the whole journey started for me. And it's, it's all about courage, perseverance, which we've heard, uh, heard about already, mm -hmm. and about the resiliency of the human spirit. And I am thrilled. I'm going to be speaking at uh, E3 mm -hmm. at Kim Black's event mm -hmm. in July. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that experience. But more importantly, I'm going to give people the tips, the tools, and some techniques for really digging down deep and getting in touch with your resiliency mm -hmm. and um, tapping in to what will take you to the next level. Because, you know, we all know never give up. We all know that. We all hear that. But, gosh, we all need to be reminded of that uh, from time to time. And, you know, that's – I'm 48 now, but that's that's my purpose for being here. Oh, unbelievable. Can you believe that? I mean, just – a miracle. You're a miracle sitting, standing here in front of us. No question about it. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll, we'll circle back to you. And another miracle to my right, Mr. Dylan Rafferty. I just love this man and, and all you do. And I know he's like, don't talk to me a lot today because I've been on the show. <laughs> How are things going over at DylanListed.com? Doing great. Uh, making some changes. and uh, But, you know, life is great and work is work and but it continues to be my passion and in serving other people with disabilities right and are you still serving on the texas governor's yes uh, committee i was recently uh reappointed for another two-year term so i'm very very excited to get down to work and uh, meet with different stakeholders in the community to focus on legislative efforts in this population absolutely well we'll be back to you because i know you said don't focus on you but thank you you know you have an open invite anytime <laughs> on this show and now kim what you also do at these monthly meetings is you, if I'm getting all this information correct, you have a local charity that you spotlight. Is that correct? We just started that. Okay. So, um, actually, before our event the last month, we did um, a hair charity event, and it was at a salon. But this is our first time having it live at E3. Mm -hmm. So I brought in Norma, yep, and Norma I'm are so excited yeah, for um, her fundraiser because it's on uh, serving the homeless, and I have a big passion for that. And I make up homeless bags and hand them out to people in my car, and I, I just I love giving to the homeless. So Well, we're going to talk about your charity here in just a moment, and I want to tell you anything that I'm inspired by anyone that is inspired to do something. And I think some of the greatest ideas come from people that have either witnessed something, gone through it themselves. Um, I myself am a nurse, so when I saw your charity, 
it touches my heart because a lot of people don't realize that the vast majority of people that are homeless, there are underlying medical and psychiatric issues with these people. They are not homeless because they're lazy or because they didn't do this or that's just their lot in life. There is a real crisis in this country with our homeless and, and their illnesses. So anything that can be done for that population is wonderful. So Norma, why don't you tell us about your organization? I um, began, I volunteered for a ministry uh, handing out food in November of last year. Um, and while working and volunteering and, and handing out the food, um, noticed a, a very uh, common, heartbreaking uh on these on the people they didn't have shoes um a lot of them were barefoot or they were walking in socks um their shoes had holes in them um so one of uh, the other volunteers that was with me we talked to each other and we decided to do something about it um so she's my soul sister that's uh, what oh, i call her so now we've um, recruited a lot of other people that help with the cause now um i am not a 501 uh C3 as of yet I you know my whole intention was just to to help to do my part in the on our little corner of the world and um, provide what we could mm-hmm. um, so we began uh, collecting shoes uh, we would just basically post our location on our Facebook page say we're going to be at Starbucks at this corner between these hours and lo and behold we just begin collecting shoes um, our last, we've done two, three distributions now. Our last distribution, we handed out 500 pairs of shoes. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Um, so it has been great. We've had many volunteers, you know, people I've never met, just people on Facebook that say, hey, I'm going to come help. Um, and we actually, we, we, we make a big production line of it. You know, we go through every shoe that gets donated. We clean them up. We mm-hmm. fix them if they need to be fixed. If they need to be washed, we wash them. We put them in individual bags or we tie them together by size. And um, we form a line and we start handing out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this last uh, distribution that we did, we were out of the shoes within an hour. Mm. Wow. That's 500 pairs of shoes. And we were managing the distribution. They were only getting one pair each. Right. Someone wasn't getting like 12 pairs. Exactly. All in the size 9 wide that I need. Exactly. So the need is real. Um, they are very appreciative. You go and you talk, and they just they just want to talk. They want to talk. Um, the next one I do, I do plan to take chairs with me so that we can just sit and talk mm-hmm. because that's what they want. They want to talk. Mm-hmm. They just kind of hang out. They get their shoes, and they just hang out there, and they just want to talk, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to have conversations with them. Um, as Tammy Kling says, uh, uh, Words are currency, mm-hmm. right? And um, it is what they they need, they like, they 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 yearn for. Um, so it's it's been a very um, humbling experience, um, and it's brought more joy to my life than I could ever have imagined. Now you have two children, I believe. I do. Okay. So what is what is this lesson you're showing them? They are with me at every event. They help me with the shoes. I have not heard them complain once. They even call their friends and say, hey, we're doing a shoe uh, thing today. Does anybody want to join? The last one, we ran out of a certain size of shoe, and my son gave the shoes he was wearing Mm. to a lady Mm. who came and said Mm. she wanted, uh, needed a pair of shoes for her husband. 
And um, so, you know, it's very humbling. And they, you know, they um, they see it. And it's something that they will, I- I'm sure, will continue. We'll carry with we'll them. We'll carry with them. Yep. So to make this clear, you're not asking for brand new shoes, gently worn. Correct. Children, men's, women's? Yes. All sizes. All sizes, that's okay. for sure. Uh, that's great. I mean, again, I think the lesson that you teach your children and other generations is just as important. And I think going back to you, Chris, uh, you know, kids today seem to grow up a lot faster than we did. I'm sure we seemed that to our parents, you know, more mature. But now we have social media. They, they get access to a lot more things, if you will. What can we talk to to this younger group of people in terms of making good decisions, even before age 24. Not that that was old, (laughs) but I'm talking (laughs) about our 13, 14, 15-year-olds now that are facing decisions like they are 24 and 25 today. Right. So I think that a a major issue is the shame and stigma that surrounds addiction, that surrounds mental health conditions, that surrounds um, physical disabilities, that surrounds anything where people are somehow labeled as others from the general public and especially so there's you know one of the things I do is I use different language I don't describe myself or define myself as an ex-convict or a drug abuser or an addict or something like that particularly not on a public uh, forum and the reason I do that is because language is so powerful and I'll, I'll give you an example an example is uh, originally, I did a, st- a show with NBC New York, and it was they put the um, title as "ex-convict in the White House," and to me, that was really harmful. That that sh- that's who I am. That's my identity. That's my title. Mm-hmm. Is ex-convict? I'm a law school student. I, I was a political appointee at the time. I'm a, a member of my family, my community, and I wrote to the editor and explained why that was harmful and asked if there was any way that we could change it. And they changed it to Maine Man Overcomes Challenges, Thrives at White House. Mm-hmm. Isn't that you, amazing? You how see that the difference absolutely. there? Mm-hmm. And that's the power of language and the power of reducing um, stigma. And what that does is using proper language use treating addiction as a health condition helps pull people out of the shadows and encourages people to seek treatment so as long as growing up and this goes back to you know from my childhood and my teenage years I thought I was simply bad I thought I was a loser a junkie a scumbag a bad person that was who I was I had no idea that I had a treatable health condition. And amazingly, once I was able to get well, I stopped committing felonies on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, once the substances were removed and my mind cleared, my vision for my life, my vision for my family shifted and grew immensely. So what I would say to anyone, especially young folks, is that if we're struggling with something, it's not because we're bad. It's probably because we're facing something. And to be willing to reach out and ask for help, and and that's been the most important thing for me. So any ways we can reduce the stigma. I mean, just Kim now just spoke openly <laughs> about a desire to, uh, at some point, stop taking Ambien. 
And that is, to me, that's phenomenal courage. Thank you. It is. It is. Because there's so much shame and fear of judgment on, and it's not just substances. I think this can apply. We all have our struggles, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's substance use, whether it's um, our relationship with food, our relationship with other people. And these principles can really be applied to all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I try to do is not allow where I've been or what I've done to define who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that can apply to anyone. Going back to you, Clint, again, it's amazing how these topics are just kind of unfolding onto and and these thoughts are unfolding to the next, you know, question. To expound on what Chris just said, again, if you weren't the fastest kid in the gym class or you were that overweight kid or you were the one that was always picked late or last on the team at school, you hate anything to do with fitness and health and gym and, and, you know, being healthy. So how do you change that mindset? How'd you, how'd you know, how'd you know about me back in school? Because honey, I was right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, actually I I wasn't overweight. My, my issue was being majorly, majorly underweight, uh, which is something nobody ever wants, nobody wants to talk about either. Uh, so I actually, I have to fight to keep weight on. Uh, it, it's an active daily thing of having to actually try to do everything I can to keep weight on, um, which is a, is a whole different mind concept outside of you know the losing weight thing. Um, but yeah, th- there is that that issue, and I mean, luckily I got brought up doing martial arts, and uh, I was never really a sports guy. I couldn't stand sports. I hated playing sports. I played sports just to try to fit in a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm the last guy picked because I'm the smallest, and I just I didn't want to play sports. I didn't like him. I didn't like the whole team sport concept thing. I didn't like a coach yelling at me. Um, and so I got out and found, found my place as being the trainer. So I was actually the athletic trainer all the way through, you know, part, part of the time in, in junior high and all the way through high school and into college. Uh, I enjoyed working out, but I hated sports. I still in the state, I don't, I don't even watch sports. I'm, I'm, I'm the trainer that didn't watch sports, okay, uh, which is, it, it sounds like an oxymoron, but, um, <laughs> so, well, don't be so I'm hard on yourself. Play any sports. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, it's, th- everybody has to realize that, you know, health is just a part of life. Movement is a part of life. You must move, um, and that's just a, a thing. You sit down in a chair, you get up out of a chair. You go to the store, you p- carry groceries, okay? If, you're, if you have groceries, you're just, you have to make that trip from the car to the house in one trip, okay? Otherwise, it doesn't count, right? I don't care how many bags you have to put on those two arms. You're making it one trip. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, life is movement. And if you don't move, there's a disconnect between your body and your mind, okay? They're, they're interconnected. You can't separate them. And if one of them is stagnant, the other one will start becoming stagnant as well. Uh, no matter how smart, how smart you are, how much you study and everything else, if you neglect your body, you're still neglecting your brain. If you put all your time and energy into your body, because there are some exercise addicts out there, and there, that is a true thing. Um, there are some health food addicts out there as well. Also another true thing. But if you focus everything there, you don't focus on your, your brain, you don't focus on your spirit, that also throws you out of balance. So, you know, everything has to be, you know, everything in moderation, correct? I mean, it's something that's been brought up over and over again over the years is everything in moderation because anything to an extreme is an extreme thing and throws you out of balance and will, will cause a decrease in your health. Uh, no matter how healthy you're trying to be in doing something, if you go, if you go off the deep end a little bit, you're actually going to get less healthy while you're trying to get healthy. Um, 
I've had to reel some people back in on that a, f a few times just as, as clients go because uh, they try to go to extremes like, eh, let's pull that back in and start working on livability. Um, but uh, so, yeah, there, there is that. But, yeah, for, for, for the kids, it is, it is a big thing because, uh, let's face it, obesity, well, obesity rates have increased over the years uh, considerably, and probably there's, there's a, a parent thing there. There's a, there's a food thing there. There's a what are you feeding the kids, how much do they move, hey, parents, what are you doing? Because whatever you're doing, the kids are doing as well. Uh, if you're sitting on the couch and you know the most exercise you get is a little bit, a little thumbing back and forth on the remote, well, why do you think the kids are sitting there playing video games all day and all they get is uh, the remote thumb action? Mm -hmm. um, and they get overuse and they have all kinds of hand problems they're on. Uh, so th there is that piece of it. Um, but you know the, the big thing is movement is essentially life. You have to move around in life. It's it, it's a thing. You must. Okay? You can't just sit in a chair all day and, and have everything sent to you. Technically, you can now because of Amazon. Amazon will send anything to you now, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you, they're doing you, you clothes get, now and food, so why do you have to yeah. leave? <laughs> yeah, you, you, can get, you can get Arby's sent to you, okay? Right? They'll, they'll deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this country is starting to become that movie Idiocracy. Uh, did any of you see that movie? I'm, some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, I've never heard of it. I mean, yeah. the more I've just watched that with my 19-year-old son again the other day, and I'm like, Mike Judge really hit it out of the park with that movie. We're kind of going that way, and it's kind of scary. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I have Idiocracy, confidence. and there, there was a great um, uh, animated movie. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Is that is out in space. You got the robot there. Uh, his girlfriend's name was Eva. Uh, Wally. It was, it was one of the Pixar. Wally. Yeah, Wally. Wally. Okay. Yeah. If you ever get to watch Wally, okay, it's kind of where we're headed right now. Right. <laughs> in, in some respects, as far as that goes. So everybody's sitting in a recliner chair. They've got their little 3D visor on, and everything's just sent to them, and you know, right. they're, they're sucking on a straw. Here's the new flavor. Uh, and so, yeah, these, these people can't move around. They can't walk. They can't do anything. They can't even converse with each other. They're sitting there just typing on, typing into something, talking to each other through a screen. You're, you're talking to somebody that's next to you. You don't, you don't even know that they're next to you right. um, on this big ship. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that we're, you know, uh, art, art kind of follows life at times in those respects. But, uh, yeah, back to the movement thing. It's it's just a, it's a part of life. And it doesn't have to be a big part of life. I mean, I'm talking like a 1% thing. So like 15 minutes a day of just going out and taking a walk can mm -hmm. save countless lives, uh, countless hours of lost time, uh, countless millions in, in expenditures when it comes to health care. Okay? Mm -hmm. if, if everybody wants to focus on government doing stuff for us for health care, Forget about the government fixing health care. They can't fix health care. They can't fix anything, okay? Uh, the only There's one way to fix it is at your house <laughs> with what you do every day. Seriously, they can. And y'all are laughing in the background. Um, so, yeah, don't put it back on these, these people in D.C. to fix your life and to fix the health care and everything else. Fix it yourself. You know, fix what's going on in your life. Become informed about yourself. Know more about yourself. Uh, take it, make it a personal responsibility because it really is a personal responsibility to take care of your health. It's a gift that you're given whenever you're born with however much you have, and you get to increase that. Um, it's in your hands to do that, to, to either increase it or to lose it. Right. Uh, so that's something nobody, nobody else wants to talk about either. It's almost taboo to say that, but I'm saying it. Uh, so, um, 
Uh, but yeah, that, there, there's that piece of it. So you take it, you own it. It's this one right. thing that you have and hold for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that you have for the rest of your life. Okay, you have your body; it's yours. You know, so I, either you can you, you can do something great with it, or you cannot do something right. great with it. I think what you're um, talking about there, Clint, is clarity. And I want to bring Joel in for yeah. a second um, because I know yeah. in reading a little bit about your book and and your philosophy and what you talk about, clarity. You, you talk a lot about clarity and confidence, don't you? Absolutely. Well, clarity actually brings confidence. Mm-hmm. And when you have confidence, then you have direction. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of a, a formula that I talk about a lot. When, when you have clarity, then the other things are, are, by, are byproducts. But until you have an understanding of what's important to you right now during this current season, then it's... You're lost, and then you're you're doing multiple things, trying to figure out, okay, well, what's most important, and where do I need to spend my time, and, and also my resources. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, again, it, it again it piggybacks off what Clint was saying, what Chris was saying. Um, you have to have that vision for yourself, if you will. You have to want it for yourself, even if there's others involved in your life. A- absolutely, you have to do something for yourself, and you can say that this is for someone else or this is for my spouse or this is for my boyfriend, girlfriend, this is for God, this is for... But you know what it comes down to? It's got to be for you first. And then when you do something that serves you, guess who benefits? The answer is obvious. Everybody. Right. And Dylan, that's exactly what you speak of with your company, helping to empower those individuals with disabilities to find gainful employment. What do you want to add on this? Well, I want to go refer back to Chris and uh, what he said about uh, language and how it's being interpreted on Internet and and identifying people and so forth. Um, In our community, you know, actually every community has its own identification or how do we identify certain populations. In our population, we have what is called people first language. And when we think of people first language, we identify their name to a certain, you know, and this, for me, is like Dylan with a hearing disability. But in this case, it's like Dylan, who is an uh, inspiring entrepreneur who overcome challenges that turned into success stories. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's, you know, when you're talking about pathway planning and transition planning, you know, my population, I'm working at with individuals with disabilities of of any kind, with autism to Down syndrome to Asperger's to uh, hearing disabilities, physical disabilities, uh, the list just goes on. But in this case, it's like he, like you said, um, we have to want it, and we have to mainly want it for ourselves. And when you see the results that you've, uh, after being taking ownership, taking pride, taking kind of like what Dr. Darren Martin would say. Uh, hold yourself accountable, take ownership in the things that you wish to take on. It's the same thing in this population for people with disabilities and other populations. The more you invest in yourself, the more um, success stories that you can create for others and allows others to want to follow their own stories and implement their own success stories as well. So really it's about adapting and uh, making a change that you're willing to take ownership of but also it's about the attitude. 
And with fitness, you know, Clint may agree, it's attitude too. And you really got to want it. You got to have the pride, the passion. For me, in this population, I have the passion. You can, they can see here, obviously, uh, the way I'm talking and, and engaging with uh, hand gestures and stuff. But it's just, you have to want it. The attitude goes a long way, whether it's on print, whether it's on video, whether it's communication, whether it's the task that you take on. Attitude goes a long way. And it, uh, when you have clarity, it becomes endless. Absolutely. Kim, I'm going to circle back to you here for a second. So we've heard these great stories, and we're going to give everyone a chance to mm -hmm. speak one more time. So tell us about the E3 program and, again, the objectives for these programs. So E3 is an engaging and educated, um, uh, let me back up, empowering. I want to put empowering Absolutely. first because it it is empowering. Empowering, engaging, and um, educational learning event. So what I decided to do with the help of Clint um, and, and Kimberly, Kimberly's not here today, um, uh, we we came up with a program where we could do um, everybody get together and have a live interactive audience where I could bring in world experts, leaders um, who are very inspirational like Joel. We had Scott Schilling launch our first um, uh, event with, the, I'm trying to think of the topic, uh, communication. It was on communication, communicating to win. And um, what I wanted to do is create a an event where we can all learn together and support each other and bring in resources because when I was addicted to hydrocodone I did not have that support and plus I created this business so I want to create a platform where we can all interact in our personal and our business lives and so um, this event keeps growing and it keeps getting larger. So I've only been doing this for five months. This will be my sixth month. And I am um, going, creating as we're going because it's growing. And we're at Brookhaven Country Club. We now have partnered with them. Mm -hmm. So we're very excited. Um, I have a mentor, John Brown, who mentors me. And um, he runs the boardroom. And I just, I have, I'm surrounded by all these great authors and world leaders, and I want to give that to other people. And so um, that's what the event's about, um, is about giving and connecting on a deeper level. So you have networking groups that you go to. This is more of a learning event to me, but a lot of people use it as a networking group too. So it serves both. That's why it's called Dragonfly Mind and E3, because Dragonfly Mind's like the self-help part of it. And E3 is the business, but I believe through my own personal experience of not having self-love, and I had to go find that. I had um, uh, relationship issues. I almost got divorced. I had an emotional affair. I mean, it was, I was lost, and then I found myself. I started going to workshops around the world, um, studying under Miguel Ruiz, great world leaders, and I learned different tips and tools to apply to my life. And I want to bring those back to the community, and whether it's business or personal life. And it's very twisted, complicated to explain, kind of. But once you're there, it's like, oh, this makes sense. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so people connect on, on those levels. And like Chris said, you know, for me to just say, oh, I have, I have um, or I'm on Ambien, shame 
people, business leaders have told me, do not tell people you're on Ambien. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, because do you know how many people struggle with that? And so I created this forum called Dragonfly, and it got so big where people were writing in saying, oh, my gosh, I'm addicted to hydro, or I go to the emergency room for shots, you know, I, I'm working full time. I'm I'm on this. My I, they know someone, um, and then so what I did is I started writing a book, and I started asking questions for research. Research, but I used my personal life to ask the questions, which I was able to be vulnerable. But they didn't know it was me mm-hmm. I was talking about, and it just it it blossomed, and so everything's been kind of a journey of creating this program and now it's called e3 and it's june 27th is our next event with brian cuban so every month is a different topic and we have a silent auction uh where people can uh, a lot of people donate so all my speakers have been guests for me i mean everybody's so giving and the community the e3 community is just it's it's a great place so you're giving and you're receiving back it sounds like yes on a business level spiritual level emotional level it's really again like i said to clint earlier a holistic kind of approach it is it's a holistic and it's business and at our last event you never know what's going to happen we had a young student and dylan was there um which you could probably explain this better actually i'll let you no no it's <laughs> better from you i was listening but uh, you say better. okay so um we had a young student there are uh, API donates um, desserts for the event mm-hmm. and they started a bulldog catering company and can you tell them what API is no you, yeah go ahead I don't know what API is. oh so sorry. it's just a school um, downtown okay. and um, and so they have been supporting my event and or people have sponsored uh, this event through donations to let them cook or whatever or bake and he asked a question so the audience gets to ask the panelists questions and he said how how do i go about funding or get receiving funding and they asked how much he needed and he said a thousand dollars or i think it was a thousand and um all of a sudden the audience just start raising their hands saying i'll give you you know 25 i'll give you 100 and then they said come up and pitch right you have investors in this room come up and just you know share your story and he did and he got a board of directors. You know, they said, we'll be your board of directors. They got sponsorship. Um, so you just never know what's going to happen. Right. There's so much love and energy mm-hmm. in the room <laughs> that it's really cool. So I'm excited about the fundraisers coming in. And Well, how can people find out about the event? What's your website? Okay, so it's www.thepowerofe3.com. Okay, and Norma, take the mic over here. Mm-hmm. We have to do a little mic juggling. How do people get in touch with you about your great organization? It's on my Facebook page, Norma Cope, um, and it's a, there's a, a, a separate Facebook page, Shoes for Hope, Shoes to Cope. Okay. And Chris, how can people find out about? Life of Purpose Treatment yes. is where I'm currently the director of, and it's lifeofpurposetreatment.com. And what we do is we're actually the only addiction treatment center mm-hmm. located on college campuses so that people mm. don't have to leave school in order to get well people can continue their education just like they would if they had any other health condition rather than being sent away somewhere we bring them closer to the community Mm -hmm. and incorporate education into the treatment so it's lifepurposetreatment.com okay and i'd love to have you both of you back on when we can 
mm. dive in a little bit more, okay? Great. Open invitation. Mm. Okay, and Joel, um, you're coming up next month to the E3 forum. Uh, you're, uh, you're next month. Right? I am I'm in July. I'm the speaker, but I will be there uh, with Kim in uh, support for this month. Okay. Uh, and how can we find out more about you? Yeah, just come to the E3 event oh, either this month go. or next <laughs> month. Just go to the website. Come I'll on. shake your hand there. All right, great. All right. And you, what about you? Well, uh, everybody knows who I am. Everybody. But uh, well, I was going to say that uh, I really highly recommend anybody that's listening that to come to uh, www.thepowerofe3.com. Um, this is going to be one exciting event. Um, I've never been more excited and to partner up with uh, Susie Solis and Brian Cuban and Christopher Poulos. Uh, really a, an exciting panel that have a, a wide range of experiences, a wide range of uh, accomplishments and turned into success stories and hopefully we can inspire so many people. So please come out. All right, Norma, one last thing, and then we'll go to Clint. One last thing. Um, we will be collecting shoes tonight at uh, Nine Band Brewing in the historic um, at downtown Allen. Okay, great. All right, I saved the best for last, Clint. Wrap us up here. we got one minute. All right, so uh, for information about me, just go to uh, clintfuqua.com. That's C-L-I-N-T-F-U-Q-U-A.com. Uh, also, the Power V3, go get your tickets. Come out. Like I said, it's like nothing else you've experienced in Dallas before because there's tons of events in Dallas. I've been to a lot of them, and there's a reason why I'm working with this one because it is like nothing else out there. Um, it is a unique experience, and Brian Cuban's awesome. D Dylan's awesome. Actually, everybody in that room right now is, is, is phenomenally awesome. Everybody there is going to be phenomenal that, that evening. So come out and join us. Uh, it's it's going to be something that uh, you'll remember forever. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for coming in. Appreciate it. And again, open invitation to come back anytime. All right. And that's going to do it today for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week on the Chatterbox.